Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome along to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. I ask the stupid questions and Matt, well, he's the expert. <laughs> it's brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Good to have you along. It's been busy, 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 Matt. What have we got to talk about today? Well, in the news this week, we were expecting an announcement on the C1 licence review. What's the difference in the licences? So when you pass your test now, if you took a test today, you're capped at three and a half tonnes. That's how much you can drive. You can tow uh, up to three and a half tonnes now because the caravan towing or the towing licence test has been lifted. Uh, And this is what sparked the change of the C1. So I took my test, like you, we're old, took it before 1997. I took my test in a Mini and could immediately get in a 7.5-ton truck. Seems a bit daft, doesn't it? The EU imposed the rule that it was sensible to cap that at 3.5 tonne. The government are considering lifting it, which would mean that more people could drive a heavy van. So with a shortage of truck drivers, van drivers, it would mean everybody could drive a van. For us as motorhomers, it means we could drive heavier motorhomes, giving us more payload, so how much we can carry. uh, And we could buy motorhomes, manufacturers could make motorhomes that were heavier and arguably, I think, safer. We have an announcement. There's no announcement. There is no news. So it was due on the 21st of September and it hasn't happened. It's been kicked into the long grass and I guess it's just not made the political agenda. So Sharon Sparks at Mendip Towing, we spoke to her about this. She confirmed she'd spoken to the chief examiner who'd heard nothing. Uh, I thought, right, I'll phone our friend Edmund King, the president of the AA. Uh, So I did, and Edmund said, no, he's waiting on a number of topics that government are reviewing, uh, and no decisions have been made. We were also waiting on accident statistics. They were due by the 21st September as well. Has there been an increase in accidents as a result of lifting the the B1 plus E licence test to tow a trailer? Which means you can now go and pass your test in a car, and drive up to three and a half tonnes, and then tow a trailer to three and a half Without tons. any training? With no training at all, nothing. Provided the car can tow it, you are allowed to. Mm. There's been no statistics reported at all, nothing. So the whole 999 service group are campaigning together um, to see if they can pull the statistics together because the government evidently aren't going to bother. No news isn't necessarily good news. Let's talk about our revered Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and those changing climate policies. Matt, what do they mean for us and our passion of motorhoming, caravanning and camping? Uh, Actually, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) This news is proving to be a bit of a damp squib this week. It's low value this week, I'm sorry. But yeah, so Rishi made an announcement that he's going to kick the 2030 deadline five years into the future. Great vote winner, in reality, doesn't mean anything. What because do you mean? What are you talking about? Okay, so there is a policy that he didn't talk about, and uh, I checked this in with Graham Cooper uh, and some of my other EV mates who are experts in this field, and Graham said the ZEV mandate still remains. What's that? So, by 2030, 80% of all new car sales must be 
non-fossil fuel, so probably mean EV, and 70% for vans. By 2035, all new car sales must be fully electric or certainly totally non-fossil fuel. And that hasn't changed. Uh, so that all that's changed is the five-year hybrid gap now becomes a five-year ice gap. So let me explain that. Yeah, so, you, you've lost me. You've okay. lost me. So by 2030, all car manufacturers had to be producing hybrids. So that would probably be electric and petrol. So diesel would be phased out. What Rishi has done is said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, you can keep making diesel vehicles up to 2035. So you can still buy a brand new diesel car or diesel van up to 2035. That's what he's changed. In reality, though, if a car manufacturer hasn't produced 80% of cars that are non-fossil fuel by 2030, they are fined £15,000 per car. So for the car manufacturers, they're still going to go hybrid. Why would they do anything else? So the manufacturers are still going to be manufacturing the cars, even though the government has pushed the 2030 up to 2035. So in reality, it doesn't look like a lot's going to change. No, probably not. Those manufacturers that still have a diesel offering can still produce it, but it can only be 20% of their output. So as a consumer, your choice of diesel car is still going to reduce. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was a great headline for Rishi that meant people, yeah, this whole EV move is being forced upon us and all that fear of change and so on was kind of kicked into the long grass. In reality, nothing is going to change. There you go. If you know different, contact us. Let's talk about the Motorhome and Caravan Show, 17th to 22nd of October at the NEC. I must say, some sponsors joining us live at the show, uh, Fiamma and Gastop, Motorhome Finance from Creative, Solbio and Falcon Technology. Thanks to everybody at those companies for helping support the Motorhome Map podcast at the big show at the NEC. Indeed, and we may have some others joining us as well. So we're going to be having our bright orange bags. They were really popular at previous shows. Uh, there was almost a bun fight to come and grab one. They're an orange tote bag, recycled tote bag. Uh, brilliant for the weekly shop, I have to say. We're still using ours. So make sure you come and grab one of those. We've got 5,000 of them to give away this year. So um, come and grab one at the show. And if, you're, if you've still not got your tickets, you can use the code MMAT to get a discount on your ticket price. If you go to www.mcshow.co.uk and when you're buying the ticket, enter the discount code MMAT and it'll save you a few pounds on your ticket. Yep, that's www.mcshow.co.uk and use the discount code MMATT. And we're on stand 9.32B and that leisure shop stand is 12.100. So the guys from the shop are there, Darren and the lovely... John Gooch from Life Beyond Bricks. Uh, so if you follow their channel, John is going to be working for us that week. And John's a real expert when it comes to battery maintenance, battery charging, motorhome maintenance. And we're there with Maypole. So the stand is called Maypole at that leisure shop, stand 12.100. So if you need some real technical expertise, you can go and speak to John and Darren and they'll be have a range of motorhome covers, caravan covers, toppers, and a whole load of battery charging and Really funky floodlights and torches and uh, the wonderful world of Maypole products will be on sale on that stand. Fantastic. And we will be uh, recording and broadcasting some podcasts uh, while we're down there. I should be down there Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll be recording. So looking yeah. forward to that then, Matt. Yeah, that'd be, I, we can't wait. It's going to be good to have you back at the show. <laughs> Two days, more than enough. You can, yeah, you can tell I'm the one balancing the beach ball on my nose. <laughs> 
Well, like a seal. Yeah. <laughs> Throw me a fish. <laughs> Throw me a fish. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you. It'll be great to see you again. Someone to turn up now and throw you a fish. Yeah. I do like a Rolmop herring. So we're there all week and we're recording content throughout the week. So I'm on the stand throughout the week and around the show. Uh, lots of brilliant interviews lined up with manufacturers from across Europe. We're actually really, really excited about it. And uh, yeah, Keith will be there too. We're going to do some live from the show going to try aren't we yeah we absolutely yeah. are so pop along say hello we'd like to hear you on the podcast as well that would be great i'll have all the gear there no idea <laughs> <laughs> it's the motorhome map podcast brought to you by that we are talking about bailey and looking to the future in yeah. this podcast this is exciting matt explain please so bailey of bristol company literally down the road from us have created and launched an e-transit campervan. It's called the Endeavour EV, and it is an all-electric campervan. So it's an electric drivetrain, no diesel, and it's all-electric inside. Where can I buy one? When can I buy one? You can't. It's a prototype. Mm. So it's an experiment. It's a really exciting collaboration between Bailey and Ford Pro. The van is actually owned by Ford, and Bailey have converted the back. But they haven't just you know thrown the usual furniture in that you'd find in an Adamo or some other Bailey product. It is completely new. They have pushed the boundaries to levels I've never seen before in a motorhome or campervan. It is impressive. So what we're talking about here is a major manufacturer is looking to the future. bit of research and development, am I right? It, that's exactly what it is. But it is a tangible campervan. So you can actually go away in it. I mean, they've invited me to go off in it and have a holiday, which so, is very So it's not just on a blueprint on paper. That is, it, it's, it's, built, it's got wheels and a steering wheel. I was driving it yesterday. I'm the only journalist to have driven it. They said, well, we haven't asked anyone else. Because I said, what do other people have to say about it? They said, well, no one really has seen it or driven it. You're the only one. So we're very privileged. So it sounds fantastic. So what is special about it? So it's a two-berth camper van with a big kind of rear lounge area. It's got really spacious kitchen, loads of storage, a funky bathroom with the, the classic kind of Rolodex door that opens and closes. You'll know what I mean if you've seen a camper van. You need to see it to understand what I'm talking about. And, and by the way, we will have some YouTube content up on our YouTube channel where Matt uh, takes a tour around in detail. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole video there, so go and check that out. It's, it's, it's released as this podcast is released. In fact, the whole thing's been embargoed until the release date with with Bailey's permission. Um, So it's out now, so you can go and see it. But what struck me most about the project was the environmental consideration in the design. So things like the worktops are made of recycled fridges and freezers. Really? (laughs) It's amazing. The handles on the cupboards are made of recycled ocean plastic. That's plastic that has been taken out of the sea and recycled. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, what a great idea. Um, the floor is made of corker, all recycled f- material in the floor. Um, the fabrics are recycled cotton, many of them are. And there's leather in there, which of course is, is not recycled, but it's, it's from an animal. <laughs> Obviously, it's real leather. And of course, it's all electric, so it's completely gas-free. No gas. No gas. So it has electric water heater from Truma. It has an electric uh, compressor fridge from Thetford. It has electric two-ring induction hob. It has electric microwave and grill. And all this is powered from the electric hookup. So it has a lead-acid leisure battery for the 12-volt system. One of the features I love about it as well is the Alexa. They've wired an Alexa into it. So you can completely control all the lights with your voice. 
as well as the normal functionality of an Alexa. And that's been integrated with an iPad into the van. So really embracing modern technology. The heating is a bit lacklustre. They've gone with a Dometic roof aircon unit. Why do you say that's lacklustre? Well, it heats as well, but it's never going to cut it on a cold winter's day in November. Heat rises. So blowing it down is just an ineffective way of doing it. The floor is always going to be cold. But to be fair to Bailey, it's a Dometic unit, which is you know a great aircon unit and air cooling unit and conditioning, but it, it's never really an effective way of adding heat to a van, certainly being the sole source of heat. But it's the only option open to them. There are no other heat pump options for a camper van. So Bailey have gone with the only solution. Um, there's also an Avtex TV, drops down on press for switch very cool uh, and they fitted navtex amr aerial to the roof so there's wi-fi in it as well and it is a very impressive bit of forward thinking i think but you can't buy one it is a concept it's research and development for the future but it does mean the good news is it does mean that when these uh, motorhomes uh, come to the market uh, they'll have a lot of experience of, of building and using them uh, you've been interviewing people at bailey haven't you man yeah i spoke to nick howard one of the directors of bailey and asked him why has bailey done this we got in discussions with ford about the endeavor project and they mentioned that they had a number of evs in in the country and would be willing to partner with them in, in developing an ev campervan now obviously you've got previous experience of building on the transit through the Adamo, the coach built, and of course the very recently revealed Endeavour. But what were the biggest challenges of building on an electric platform? The, the electric platform that we've got here is essentially a 4 by 4 transit, and it has two floors, and in right. between the floors normally is a prop shaft going to the rear axle. Uh, but what Ford did for the EV vehicle is take the prop shaft out, so it's a front-wheel drive only, and the void in between is where the battery pack is. And what challenges that present you then? Because obviously you'd normally be putting loads of fixtures and fittings, water tanks under the floor. How did you deal with that? Yeah, you're correct. We, we could put less under the floor. Um, like It hasn't got a caravan step fitted because we would have to bolt straight through a battery pack, which isn't a good idea. There are some regulatory challenges. We have to have an amount of low-level ventilation um, in the vehicles for people to habitat it. And we have to have high-level ventilation as well to get an airflow. Clearly, we can't just go and put vent holes in the floor um, because it's full of battery pack. But we worked closely with our trade body, the National Caravan Council, to work out where we could put ventilation, and we actually put it in things like the footwells. So there's lots of technical challenges with this, and we were able to work very closely with Ford in generating their converters handbook, especially for EV and, and, and motorhome conversions. And when you were building it, did you take the batteries out? Because other manufacturers have had a go, and they removed the batteries when it was in the factory. Did you dare to do that? No, we, we, we left them alone. We, we were very interested in the Ford system as a whole because it's got an inverter fitted, which I think you know, normally they'd like builders to plug in power tools to recharge them. And we wanted to know if we could use that inverter system to power some of the 230 volt appliances in the vehicles. So we're very interested in integrating with the Ford battery pack was there. So we deliberately left it alone. The two biggest challenges with, with, a, with an LPG-free vehicle mm. are, are cooking and heating. Um, I, I think the heating is going to be a bit of an easier journey for the industry because the cars are already doing that. You know, Teslas now have heat pumps fitted, and that's quite common in the EV sector. Um, and I think the, the suppliers to the leisure industry are looking at e um, heat pumps as a heat source. But cooking is a whole different argument because an induction hob is a worthy alternative but uses so much power. But you fitted a leisure battery to it as well. What, what's that powering? 
that's powering the lighting system, um, which is all LED, yeah. um, and, and the pump as well. Um, so, so it's using the 12-volt systems that aren't associated so what, with But why isn't that using the EV batteries? But again, we're just doing this learning process with right. Ford into how much we can use, because what you don't want to do is drain it all down, and then the, the customer wants to go and drive somewhere and, and found where they, they've been used all their, all their leisure battery power. Yeah. No doubt one of the biggest questions that you're going to get when this launches is about range. How do you think the future is going to pan out for EV vehicles and camper vans? We want to go a long way and weigh a lot. How viable is this? Yeah, we're not saying the range on this vehicle is good enough. Clearly it isn't at the, at the moment, but we want to try and understand. And I think a lot, a lot of that is asking you know, consumers are saying, what range would you like? What is acceptable? Is it 200 miles? Is it 300 miles? But it feels like that kind of ballpark to mm. me. And for the motoring I've done, you know, when I've driven sort of 250 miles, I'm pretty finished and happy to get into a campsite and put my feet up for a while. So is, is that reasonable? Um, and, I, and I think you know, generally that's some feedback we'd like is, is what should we be striving for? We're still a long way, though, aren't we, from EVs and vans, and camper vans especially, becoming very commonplace. How far away do you think they are? I, I genuinely think, yeah, we, we've got a bit of a while to go. There, there, there's certainly some work to do as well on, on the site infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people like the Caravan Club have introduced sites with on-pitch and on-site charging now at some of their facilities, again, to go on this journey of learning about the future uh, of EV motorhomes and tow cars. Um, but I think generally we, we, we've got a lot to learn about this and the infrastructure has to catch up. Also, a lot of the campsites are in remote locations, so they have small local substations. So if they wanted to put 30 on-pitch charges, I think the substation would probably cough a bit. Well, I'll take my hat off to you, Nick, for giving this a go because it's a brave project. It's a new dawn, isn't it, for our industry? And innovation is often absent mm-hmm. in this motorhome industry and caravan industry, sadly. And it, and it is hard to innovate, but I think you've absolutely smashed it. I think it's great. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a direction of travel we've all, we've all got to go on. And we're pleased to just start this journey at Bailey. That's Nick Howard of Bailey uh, talking to you, Matt. It is exciting, isn't it? It is a really exciting step forward, yeah. And it, I, I take my hat off to Bailey for taking the plunge. The fact that a leading UK manufacturer has done this. One of the things I love about it most is the collaboration between them and Ford, actually. We need more of that. Our industry needs more collaboration. I think it's one of the only ways we're going to see innovation. And I'm excited to see a big UK manufacturer doing exactly this. Where do the batteries go? So the batteries are in the floor of the van. So they're Normally, there's a prop shaft. The Transit's a rear-wheel drive vehicle. The E-Transit, they're all through the floor, and the floor is full of them. So that was a challenge to Bailey. As Nick said, they couldn't drill the floor. They left the batteries in when they built it, but that means the floor's really high. Now, if you go and see one of these E-Transits, or the E-Transit, because there is only one, if you see it at the show or a future show, you'll notice how high the floor is. Is a big step up. And Bailey have raised the floor further with their caulker floor and no doubt there's some fixtures and fittings above the floor. And they were very concerned about head height inside. I'm five foot ten and I had a good uh, probably four or five inches above my head. I'd actually know what the internal head height is. But even for someone who's six foot four, I reckon you could still stand proud in it. There is no issue with head height. And that was one of the concerns I had when I got in. I thought I'm going to bang my head. No, surprisingly tall. So if you're six foot four and going to the NEC show, we'll do a test on video, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> yeah, well, it was fine for me. There's a big gap above my head. I'm sure I'm fine. Yeah, but ten. you and me, we're yeah, little people. <laughs> it's my Irish blood. I'm a leprechaun. <laughs> Matt then spoke to Simon Howard, Nick's brother and the marketing director of Bailey. Simon, why have Bailey done this? 
Well, fundamentally, because it's the right thing to do. We've got a sustainability plan. Um, we uh, carry out a full uh, carbon footprint of our business, so a cradle-to-grave carbon footprint, the life of a, a motorhome or a caravan. And those figures show that over half the carbon emissions uh, in the lifetime of a motorhome are actually carried out by v- people using their vehicle. A little bit of that is, is plugging it into the mains or using the gas to heat mm. it up during the winter, but the vast majority is driving the vehicle around. So clearly looking at how the vehicle is powered is incredibly important and looking at alternative sources to the, the current fossil fuel vehicles is paramount um, in order to help us reach our, our carbon reduction targets. And you've got a big target set for 2050 as a business, haven't you? And I guess this is part of that, is it? Very much so, yeah. yeah. I mean, we want to be net zero by, by 2050. Looking at the various areas where our our carbon emissions come from only about 12 percent is actually from the operations of, of bailey so us we only account for 12 percent about a third is actually the energy required to make the components in the vehicle and as i say over half the remaining half is, is actually vehicles being used by their owners so clearly we've got to play our part in making ourselves a cleaner operation and, and we've started that with looking at sustainable energy supply led lighting solar panel provision in the buildings that sort of thing that's sort of the low-lying fruit that's that's pretty easy straightforward to do but moving forward we've got to start making greener products and we can do that by by making them lighter more aerodynamic and using sort of renewable materials but fundamentally the key is how the vehicle's powered that the biggest wins we're going to make in reducing our carbon footprint is by having more um, sustainably powered vehicles such as electric that's admirable that you're making these strides but the pm's announcement very recently delaying that 2030 deadline out to 2035 What impact does that have on a project like this for you? Well, first of all, it's really disappointing. I mean, we are all going to have to pay for the mess we've created. It's it's our responsibility, and delaying it by five years is not going to help. It's not going to make it any cheaper. In fact, it might make it more expensive because some of the actions we're going to have to take are going to be more severe, so it's it's disappointing. And also, I really feel for people people like Ford who've come up with a business plan to be 80% electric by by 2030, and now I've been told, well, no, you've got to carry on with fossil fuel supply for another five years. I think it's just short-sighted, and I applaud people like Nissan who say, no, we're we're going to carry on, and uh, we're going to be all electric by 2030, regardless. From my point of view, you've got to carry on. We can't delay this any longer. So no, we're keen to continue to push forward with it because it's inevitable and it's something that we do have to do. Well, this is a prototype, this vehicle, but when do you think we can buy one? Not at the NEC show in October. You can certainly see it there, and we'd be really interested to, to find out what people think. The, the product development team are going to be there to, to get feedback from people on what they like and perhaps what they don't like. Um, so please come along and have a look. But fundamentally, realistically, we're looking about five to ten years, I'd imagine, before um, a fully electric EV is available for customers to buy. You're obviously very future-focused. What I was really struck by is your investment in the people and the talent here. And you pointed to the, the team that designed it, who are young, dynamic team do you think it needs a project like this to attract talent into our industry it, it doesn't hurt and certainly the, the, the main drive for us in terms of our sustainability planning has been from within it's been from our younger employees who we want to know what we're doing and want to work for a company that has sustainability in mind for the future it doesn't just need products we, we, we make exciting products we, we're selling selling a dream we're selling a lifestyle we're selling holidays happy memories and I think the thing people particularly on a design perspective like about working for us they actually have an end product they're not mm. selling a service so they have something concrete so um, when 
when they go to the NEC show, they're going to see a brand new Endeavour or an Endeavour EV on the stand, and they've produced something concrete. So, no, I, I don't think we have trouble attracting people, but uh, certainly something like this is, is not going to hurt. I love Simon's passion about the next generation and bringing innovation to our industry. We so desperately need it. It's not that we haven't got it, but even recently at Caravan Salon, walking around, we didn't see a lot of innovation, a lot of new product. Um, you know, there was some there, but we were kind of going, oh, there's not a lot new happening. Isn't that just from the pandemic where people weren't working yeah. or were furloughed and, and things weren't happening? And it's now a few years later that we're seeing the results of that? It could be. I think that could be easily an excuse. Um, you know, there's no time for that. We need to crack on. You know, this change is coming, despite what Rishi may have painted the picture as, you know, we're delaying everything five years. We're not. The change is coming. We are going to be seeing all electric vans and all electric camper vans. But for them to work, we need more innovation and development. And talking of that, the design team for this at Bailey are on the young side, aren't they? They're blue sky thinking. They are. Chloe and Claire leading the design team and they are younger than you might expect you know, designers to be. I joked with Simon that it used to be Doreen and Accounts designed the interiors with swirly creams and peaches. And he did make the point, he said, careful, that was my mum <laughs> all those years ago. But it's true. You know, our interiors have really come on. You know, look at what Bailey are doing now with their interiors. There's nothing like they used to be. You look at the European manufacturers, they've gone a step further, I think, uh, in terms of designs. But Chloe and her team were given free range on this product. And on the whole project, as it was a concept, so they weren't trying to make something that was commercially viable. And I asked her what her key criteria for success were. So we really wanted to push the boundaries when designing this um, vehicle because we, we thought it would be a good, exciting opportunity for Bailey to showcase, obviously, with the future of electric transit vehicles. It gave us the opportunity to do that. So starting with the EV layout, our original intention was to just use the Endeavour layout, but we saw an opportunity to incorporate a more playful, um, modular seating area. So that's what we included. So it allows three different um, modes, a day mode, an office mode and an evening mode, um, all done by adjusting the seating modular to make up what you need. In addition to this, we've incorporated a lot more tech into the van. We've got a CCT colour changing light system, Alexa controlled. CCT, what does that stand for? Colour changing temperature. Right, okay. <laughs> so that's all um, incorporated into zones as well throughout the van. You've got your iPad in there as well that controls it manually. And as well as that, we've obviously included a lot more um, finishes and sustainable materials. So I want to talk to you a bit more about the materials. Tell me about the worktops. Um, it's a polygood material, which is a surface material made from old refrigerators and household appliances. Hang on, it's a what material? <laughs> it's a polygood material. Polygood. Uh, polygood. <laughs> it's made using 100% recycled materials, so um, old refrigerators and household appliances, um, which is amazing because the product then you have a different kind of finish of it every time. You've got different colours coming through, which gives a really raw, unique palette, which is nice for the kitchen. The door handles and the cupboard drawer handles, tell me about those. Yes, so the handles um, are made from 100% reused ocean plastic, um, which is amazing because they're black fittings, which is a really um, contemporary modern look, but obviously helping the environment at the same time. We wanted the, the van to replicate, obviously, the electric sustainable message through the materials used in the van as well. So it's been one hell of a project. Now tell me, how on earth did you source those materials? 
So yeah, we had completely free reign on this project, which has been amazing. Um, so we were able to look at not just our kind of everyday suppliers, but we looked online to source suppliers in the market that were using 100% recycled materials. We've also incorporated this into our flooring. We've got flooring which is made from 100% recycled corker material. And even our fabrics as well are used from 100% recycled polyester. So, um, yeah, it's been really great. Um, and the finished product, I think, works really well. And I love the imagery of this mood board. You've gone with a very much a relaxed rainforest, it says here, Phil. And it really does come through in everything about the van inside, doesn't it? Yeah, it portrays that sustainable message that we wanted to deliver with the product. And I think you kind of get encapsulated by that as soon as you enter the van, which is what we wanted. So, Chloe, the biggest challenges in a pure EV camper van have to be other than range, have got to be cooking and heating. Firstly, tell me about the cooking solution that this van features. Yeah, so we had to replace our current gas-heated appliances in the kitchen with all-electric ones. So we replaced our um, gas cooker with um, an induction hob and microwave oven grill. So it's completely electric. And then the heating system as well. We also had to put in um, an aircon unit to replace the current um, gas heating system. Yeah, so you've gone with a roof-mounted air cooling and heating system which people are going to say that is not going to keep me warm in November uh, in Britain on a campsite let alone going to North Norway or something it's not there yet is it what conversations are you having with your supply chain about the innovation we need for this solution for heating a, a camper van yeah, so we're already having conversations with our suppliers in the background because um, we've already highlighted this as a potential concern when we are developing this product in the future. So having these conversations now will hopefully give us a step in the right direction for when we come to do it. And what of these innovations do you think are viable for future Bailey projects? So there's been a lot of additional cost um, added to this product because there's been no limitations. So Mm. sourcing the materials um, has added a lot of costs because these 100% sustainable materials come obviously at a higher price. So we'll be working with our suppliers. um, Now we know what's available to us, how we can potentially source these products and just implement even one fabric out of four of a scheme just to incorporate a little bit more of a sustainable material message and then also with the lighting we've taken learnings that we can replicate now into future products like this color changing temperature system um so i was a bit of a mouthful yeah. <laughs> go with cct cct system we've learned a lot from that that we can hopefully now roll out into future projects as well and then with the alexa system i think we'll be seeing that hopefully in the future that's something we'll have to be working with our suppliers with um to make it work and make it production friendly I think (laughs) it's a massive project Chloe it's really exciting but how does it make you feel as the designer seeing the end product has been a really rewarding feeling and I think it sends such a positive message out and really tests us about what we can actually achieve and do Um, so it'll be really exciting to see it at the NEC in October Mm -hmm. and hear the response from the public That was Chloe Bartlett, the lead designer, who, as you say, was given free reign on this project. I I, I talked about blue sky thinking, but you've seen it, you've driven it, Matt. Mm. Uh, Is it especially new or does it still conform to those traditions that uh, the more conservative aspects of our passion, our hobby uh, Uh, desire? (laughs) Well, fundamentally, no, it is new. It doesn't conform to tradition it's it is all electric and we are seeing gasless camper vans and motorhomes being built uh, by independent manufacturers the thing for me that this was a mainstream british manufacturer taking this plunge and frankly taking the risk i mean they've invested a lot of money into this project i don't know how much exactly but i bet it's around quarter million quid 
uh, in terms of R&D time. It's a huge investment. And the fact that they're prepared to take that risk, push those boundaries and make the innovation happen. And in collaboration with Ford, another manufacturer that is prepared to take a step into the future. It's not perfect. You know, this camper van is not perfect. How usable is it? Arguably not very. We'll come on to range in a minute because I'm sure that's the question everybody's got. But I think it's brilliant that Bailey have taken the plunge and I, I respect them for that. And Bailey, of course, royalty in the industry, aren't they? So as you say, getting together with Ford is some partnership. Mm. Let's talk about the range. Let's talk about the payload because yeah. those are the important things. Yeah. It weighs three and a half thousand kilograms, so it could be driven on a standard license. Yes, absolutely. But the key is the batteries. They weigh an additional 752 kilos so it makes it heavier than the diesel transit by or over three quarters of a ton so it means the payload is a woeful 178 kilos so me and you can get in it and we can bring uh, a frying pan <laughs> you might have, you might have to leave the baked beans and the pot noodles at home so it says not enough is it and bailey acknowledged that this is you know not good enough and they say if it was going into production it would be built on a heavier 3,900 kilo e-transit. But of course, you need a C1 to drive that at the moment. It's interesting that for e-vans, the restriction is 4.25 tonne, 4,250 kilograms. That hasn't yet been applied to motorhomes because they don't exist. But if it were, it would mean this product becomes very viable. So that extra 400 kilograms goes straight on the payload. So we'd have over half a tonne to share mm-hmm. of payload. Makes it really Make, viable. Makes a huge difference. You, um, could, you could bring all your pot noodles. <laughs> what about the real world range then? Let's well, get down to the brass tacks. How far can I go in this uh, yeah. new concept? Chloe is going to be on the stand at the NEC, the Bailey stand, and this is going to be her number one question, I have no doubt. Ford reckon, with the weight of it as it stands, it is 108 miles. Now, when I got in it, it said 141 remaining. We drove it for 20 or 30 miles up and down the bypass here, uh, filming it. And it said when I took it back, I think it was 127 miles. So more than the predicted range from Ford. So it's just not quite enough, is it? 108 miles. Yeah, and if you drive like a bit of an idiot, you're going to get a lot less than 108 out of it. But as you say, if you drive sensibly, you can get a bit uh, more in terms of range. So it's going to get me to the campsite where I can hook up and charge. But if I'm wild camping, those words again, (laughs) then uh, it's not going to be so practical, is it, for me? No. So the charging, we wanted to unpack this. So it's interesting. An e-transit takes just 35 minutes to charge back to 80% on a DC charger. So that's a super fast charger. Not many of us have those at home, but you can pay for those in supermarkets. And we went to one in a pub, actually locally, just to test it. And the first 80% is what takes the least time. The last 20% takes a lot longer to recharge an EV. You know, that's a time for a coffee and a pee and a, you know, quick wander around the services Mm -hmm. shop or wherever you are. If you're charging on an AC charger, so this is plugging in at home, or plugging in on a campsite if you're allowed to, it takes eight hours to recharge to 100%, so overnight. Mm -hmm. So actually, if you don't want to go very far in it, then it is viable. And provided you're going to a destination where there is facility to either DC charge, so fast charge, or AC charge on a hookup, then, you know, it could be usable. So we're not quite there yet, but it certainly feels with battery technology improving, this could happen quicker 
than my prediction of 10 years. So it's the battery technology that's holding us back at the moment. And that is coming on leaps and bounds every year. But what about my leisure use? Can I draw the power from the batteries from leisure or do I have to add even more weight? Yeah, so that's a very good question. And I think eventually we'll end up with the EV battery plant, as it were, and we'll run everything from that. Bailey decided not to tap into those batteries because it would massively impact the range. And the range they acknowledged was already low and they wanted it to be usable for testing and so on. So they have fitted a lead-acid battery to it for the 12-volt lighting and everything else, the Alexa, the TV. In fact, the TV was 12-volt as well, uh, but the microwave, the induction hob, is all running on a hookup. So you've got a hookup to run all of those things. But ultimately, you will be able to run off the EV batteries. Interestingly, the one we were driving had no means of identifying when it was parked. So the new e-transit has a wiring loom that when you turn the handbrake on, it's electric handbrake, you turn it on, it could turn on the rear batteries or the facility for the batteries to run the rear. Uh, And then when you turn the handbrake off, it would turn the rear off. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So if you're using it, say, for instance, uh, if you're a builder or perhaps a rescue vehicle, uh, then when you stop the car, you'll want to draw power for recharging your drills or recharging batteries for a broken down car. So that's what you're talking about. When you're driving... The extra electricity in the back isn't turned on. As soon as you, yeah, you put the it. handbrake on, it switches it so you can then draw from it. Quite. But the e-transit we were driving did have an inverter fitted in the back. Because it's a work van originally, uh, it has an inverter. That means you can recharge a drill on it, but Bailey chose not to tap into that. We've got to be careful, haven't we? Because this is a concept vehicle. They're doing their best with what they've got. And we're sort of reviewing it as if it's for sale. It's not. But it does show the research and development that, as I say, uh, uh, some of the great and the good in the industry are doing. And it's where we're at now. It's a snapshot. And as we said before, battery technology moves on, switching technology, inverters, solar panels. We might not be there yet, but we're not far away, are we? We're not far. I mean, lithium technology's really come on, hasn't it? And with solar and people like Victron have really created massive systems. And you see motorhomes that are fully kitted out to be off-grid for long lengths of time. And it is great to see this innovation. We're not there yet. And, you know, it's not viable, this particular product, for mass production yet. But what it does is it identifies the weaknesses and the opportunities for innovation. And and the fact that Bailey have tried, and no doubt they will try again. And they're succeeding. They are succeeding, but we need manufacturers to try and make what might be perceived as mistakes. Yeah, that's how lessons are learned. Before they get to the market. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's this is what they're doing. And I say the bit that excites me as well is the fact there's been some real collaboration between Bailey and Ford. Bear in mind, Bailey haven't been building on motorhomes on a Ford for very long. And, you know, this relationship's advanced really quickly. And I know how invested Ford are in the move to EV and seeing their badge on the fronts of motorhomes. So, you know, this is a real investment and testament to that relationship by both parties. And that's what we need. We need our industry leaders to be prepared to try and try again, attract cutting edge talent with fresh ideas into our niche. We desperately need that. And I've no doubt that we will soon see other manufacturers following suit and begin to take those creative risks that are meaningful and future-proof.
So you've heard the future here on the Motorhome Map podcast this week. You can see the future as well on our YouTube channel uh, where you can see Matt driving uh, this concept vehicle uh, looking inside because it's not just a shell. As uh, Matt said, there's an interior as well. So consume all you can from the Motorhome Map podcast because <laughs> you will be some of the best informed uh, people in our industry. It's also the only place to see it before the NEC show. So if you're not going to the show, there's nowhere else to see it. And we are the only media outlet with content on it, which is amazing. Thank you, Bailey. We really appreciate that. And you know, we are genuinely excited about it. I'm personally really excited about this development. We'll be doing some more content on it at the show. So, yeah, stay tuned and keep watching YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to YouTube as well, because that's where you get alerts on new content that's coming out there. And not only that, if you visit the Bailey stand, you'll see their new products. So they've launched a whole range of camper vans and coach-built motorhomes on the Ford Transit. Vans with a pop roof. They've also launched a slimline coach-built motorhome. I got to go in one that was being photographed while we were at the factory. Uh, Island bed, front lounge, slim, not terribly long, big garage. I have to say, I was impressed. It's very good. It's definitely worth checking out. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. Let's get into our Q&A questions and answers. We do it every week where you pose the questions and Matt, well, he gives the answers. First of all, Tony Flanagan has been in touch. I have a auto-trail camper van with a rear bench seat made up as a double bed. I'm looking to modify it so I could fit one of those hinge section beds uh, that allow you to score things in a sense so you can actually hinge the uh, bed up and then drop it back down again. Do you know where you'll be able to get something like that? Because I've actually struggled to find anything. So that's Tony. Can you help him with his bed then, Matt? <laughs> I would suggest, Tony, I'm surprised you can't find anything online. I would go to a campervan converter who is building stuff like this all the time and custom making it, um, and they would be able to make you something, I'm sure. You basically need, as I understand it, a, a metal frame with bed slats in and the extra cushions, um, and you'll find a converter that could build that for you. I doubt you're going to find that Auto Trail have something unless there's something that exists in their layout that you could purchase. But I would suggest going to a, a VW van converter, for example, and seeing what they can make for you. Thanks, Tony. Uh, by the way, uh, when you pose your questions, it would be nice if you said where in the country you're from. David Ede, he's in Cardiff, and he asks, Matt, Hi, as part of a motorhome rental, do you provide a bit of training around how to manoeuvre and drive, etc.? Uh, we used to, years ago, when probably we had less motorhomes and more time. Traditionally, we don't get in the motorhome with you although that's not to say we wouldn't so we do have handover videos where I do go on a drive it was in the middle of lockdown in the countryside the roads were empty uh, and I was filmed driving giving some hints and tips on you know, what to look for in your mirrors and so on but if you wanted to go on a drive with one of the team I'm sure we could arrange that with you yeah Thanks, David, for that one. Nigel Lewis is in North Wales, and he's wondering, does reverse polarity affect his leisure battery? He says he's in France, and a few sites have reverse polarity. What's he talking about, Matt? So this is where, traditionally on the continent, though it could happen anywhere, the live and neutral are wired the wrong way round. Live is on the neutral, and neutral's on the live. Now, it would mean if something's shorted out, the trip might go but the live is still alive because it's going down the neutral because the trip is normally only on the live. Makes sense? It does make sense. So it's yeah. safety first, really. Um, would it affect your leisure batteries? Probably not. 
Um, if you've got a Sargent electronic system in the motorhome, so you've got a British-built motorhome, there's usually a light on it that tells you you've got reverse polarity, and it will correct it. Um, if you watch our Europe guide, I talk about this in there. If you go to thatleisureshop.com forward slash Europe, um, you'll get to the Europe guide, and you can download a guide on going to Europe and the little adapter that I made uh, that fixes the reverse polarity so i don't think it would damage your leisure battery it's not really going to technically damage anything other than perhaps you if something went wrong so you're right some campsites are still my experience been one in ten uh, have reverse polarity so it's worth getting the little adapter to fix it and more importantly the tester that tells you that everything's good or whether the polarity is reversed there you go nigel hope that's been some help if people want to get in touch ask a question what should they do matt Really easily, just go to mhmp.info forward slash askmat, fill in the form, or we love it if you would record your question on the orange button. And as Keith says, please tell us where you are in the country. We love to put a pin in the map. We do, absolutely. mhmp.info forward slash askmat to record your question. And don't worry, we'll edit it if you make mistakes or um and ah. We we won't put your mistakes in. Uh, And you can also leave us a review. What do they need to do for that then, Matt? Again, just go to mhmp.info forward slash review. And lastly, but not leastly... What do people need to do if they want to share with a friend? Well, if you could send the episode you've listened to to someone you know that might find it useful, we would love that. Helps spread the word of the podcast and grow the audience and hopefully can serve someone who might have some questions like you do. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com.